HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Funny having it's a picture because it's fine. So bright, and yeah, I do it's totally fine. I can see anything. <laughs> Welcome to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Dana Cowan, and today we're broadcasting live from Slow Food Nations in Denver. We want to thank our supporters, Hearst Ranch, Big Green Egg, and the Julia Child Foundation for making our coverage possible. Today, I've got two amazing women with me. One I'm bringing on as my co-pilot. Representing. Ellen Bennett. Woo! From Headley and Bennett. And uh, you, everybody knows her incredible aprons and the lifestyle brand that is Ellen. Just watch this woman eat a peach. And we have as our guest, Dana Rodriguez. Double Dana's here today. That's right. <laughs> and Dana is a hometown hero here. Uh, in Denver with a couple of outstanding restaurants. I got to go to work in class last night. Awesome. Um, and we loved it. There were six of us and our plates were piled high and we demolished the food. <laughs> uh, so I'm so excited to have a chance to talk to you. I'm really fascinated about your story growing up in Mexico, coming to the U.S. and working your way through the restaurant world to have these two extraordinary restaurants. Um, Alan Bennett, those of you who are listening may not know, but her mother is Mexican. So before we began, these two ladies were exchanging like hometown stories. (laughs) So, um, but Dana, can you tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up and what it was like? Um, I grew up on Chihuahua. Mexico is just the border with El Paso. Um, I grew up in a farm, Uh, amazing place. I've been butchered since I can remember with my parents. Uh, have a really cool farm. We have pigs, cows, uh, we do our own grains, and it's pretty, it's pretty nice. Sometimes I'm like, I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. How, how long have you been in the States? Uh, I moved here in 1998. Yeah. That's a good long time. And I read somewhere that on the farm there wasn't electricity. Did, that, did I make that up? No, no, no. It wasn't electricity. I mean, it's still to this day, we still have the farm and we run it the way that, you know, uh, solar panels, that's the only thing that we have right now, but we add that probably like 15 years ago. Uh, before, it was just the way that we, we run it over there. So that's a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's sometimes the part that is like, no, maybe I don't want to go back. <laughs> I miss that, but it's a lot of work. And did you have a, a grandma or a mother who was a great cook? I mean, it, 
you were a natural cook. You weren't trained, and you, but you came to the U.S. and you started as a dishwasher. But back home in Chihuahua, were you cooking? Was someone making great food? My grandmother and my dad. My mom cannot cook shit for a living. No, not at all. Never. So I think that's why I get into this because I'm like, I'm hungry and my mom is not going to cook anything. So let's get on it. for yourself. I know, right. But my dad, you know, we do all the uh, corn and the farm and then we dry it, we meal everything. So we make our own tortillas. So that was my dad. And my grandma used to cook just like, you know, family style food every weekend for the entire family. That's what I learned a little bit. So, um, when you're in Mexico, you uh, you had three kids, right? Before you were even 30 years old, I think. Uh, when I moved here, I bring my kids, and I was 21. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my Take kids now they are like 23, 24, 25. Yeah, the youngest one was three months when I moved into the states. Yeah. So you came, and you came completely by yourself. Yeah. With three kids. Yep. What was that like? Was that very scary? I can't. It was pretty scary, but um, you know, I'm one of those person that believe in moments in life, and I always say, "Hey, if this is for me, good. If it's not, then I keep moving." Um, I remember my first job; like it was a sign, totally to me. Everything is about that. Like I'm gonna apply. If they hire me, that means you need to be here. If not, get the hell out. <laughs> go somewhere else. Go back to Mexico or something. So wow. yeah. And did you have, how did you choose Denver? I think you saw a poster that looked good. I mean, there was something very random. No, yeah. actually, I have family on Illinois, Utah, and Denver. Oh. So I went to visit them before, and I used to do a lot of business in California because I have a clothing store in Mexico, and I used to go there all the time. Um, but when I came here to visit some family, I fell in love with this place, love everything about Denver, and I'm like, well, this is going to be home. So, how did you choose between fashion and food? Well, um, when I moved here, I applied in the kitchen because that was the first thing that I wasn't looking for to be in the on the cooking part of my life. I, I love the other side better, and I also went to school for uh, engineering computers in Mexico, so nothing to do with cooking. And when they hired me there, I think like, well, this is this is my new life. I always see things like, well, this is for a reason. You better learn, get your shit together, and do something. And that's how I start in the kitchen. It's but like you, the Mexican motto. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't mind giving up everything that was, I mean, you gave up your, a lot of your family. You gave up the degree that you had, essentially, and you started at the, at the bottom, but you had no conflict about that? Well, the reason why I moved wasn't because I, look in, I was looking for a job. I have a job there. I have my businesses there. But it was, I live in the border, you know, the border in the 1990s, it was a pretty dangerous place to live. And especially for girls, you know, it was a lot of girls that they disappeared. I have three daughters and I'm like, I got to move and do something different. It doesn't matter if I need to leave my house there or my stores or whatever. It's just like, I want to do something different and provide some better life for my kids. And that's why I decided to move here. And it, I mean, it was 21 years old. I'm like, I can start over and over and over and do whatever it takes, you know? I, that's so, like when I was 21, I don't know. I mean, I just had graduated <laughs> from school and I had like no idea what I wanted to do, except I wanted to, I wanted to follow my dream of writing. Uh, so you came and um, 
Your first job was as a dishwasher. Yep. A lot of people will say that's the most important job in the kitchen. It is. Oh, I used to, absolutely. I used to do a lot of talks about that, you know, because people don't... To me, it was the best thing because you learn everything from the bottom. You appreciate every single person job. Bussers, dishwasher, prep people, sous chefs, every yeah. single person, servers, bartender, because you see everything. So that, that was very important for me. For my When I start my own business, I'm like, I know how to do it right and what other people do wrong so I don't do the same mistakes. Yeah. And what do you think that... Um, there, there was someone who started giving you work to do, like, here's some chopping. You know, they started... I didn't know that you could actually get pulled out of dishwashing to do, like, oh, yeah. other chores. They always do prep prep in the morning. Yeah. Oh, dishwashers do yeah. prep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll jump in and they'll get involved. And if yeah. you're really tenacious, you end up killing the whole list. And then they're like, whoa, that person can hustle. And then they give you more and more roles. So you actually have a lot of opportunity to honestly yeah. do anything in the kitchen if you start as a dishwasher. I agree with you. You know, every single person in the kitchen, that was my that was my case, you know. Yeah. Uh, I opened uh, Panzano, 1998, at the Hotel Monaco. And then Jen Jasinski and Beth Gurish from Rioja right here, they take over that place. And as soon as Jen, you know, he's like, what are you doing in the dishroom? Like, come over here. Like, yeah. you know, you can prep really fast. You learn really good. I didn't speak English. Now I speak Spanglish. <laughs> but at that time it was, you know, like she can see, and most of the leaders, yeah. they can see when people are like, this person is going to get it really quick. And she's like, okay, come over, you're mine. I yep. wonder what that is. Like, what do you think people see? I mean, they see speed. Yeah. Speed and hustle. And you have an ability to observe what's going around you. And if you see that somebody is doing something and then you go and follow that action, yeah. you're like, holy cow, that person can absorb and learn on the fly. If I teach them anything, they'll hold on to it. Yep. And I, I think that's like such a gift. And I will say, as a fellow Mexican, I definitely think that as Mexicans, we really have that. Like, there is a serious innate drive to just, like, get out there and succeed and hustle and figure it out. Because, you know, to your point, like, my grandparents grew up on a farm with no electricity. I knew that my mom had to move to another city. And she or her sisters cleaned houses so that she could go to college. And then we're just like, oh, great. We have a great, simple simple life and you have to look back at that and say wow I'm, I have a simple life now and an easier life because of all the work that they did yep. first so you have this like deep appreciation for it and having gone to Mexico so much when I was little I really saw that like I yeah. would go to my grandma's farm and be like whoa this is a tiny little house where they're all their seven brothers and sisters lived in one room on a giant farm, but they all piled in at night, went to bed side by side, like, yep, you know, little ants on a log, like, just crazy. <laughs> and and that's, that's like the Mexican survival. It's crazy. It's amazing. It is, because you can see it all over when you're in Mexico, you know. And most of the Latin countries are pretty similar on that yeah. sense, you know, like, you born with this and you have to push it through and it's never a stop. You know, sometimes people ask me, like, when are you going to stop? when I die. I mean, <laughs> why I should? Like, come on, let's go. Yeah. We so have it true. inside, I think, in our heart because that's how we see our parents or grandparents and that's the only way that you know. So what about your kids? So, you could, so one was three months. That's hard to imagine leaving that child with someone. And how old are the other two? They are one year apart. Okay. So they are wow. 23, 24, 25. Same month, 
on the second, the fourth, and the eighth. What? Yep. Easy to remember. That's, oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do while you were hustling? Um, well, I'm very lucky. Like, I'm an only child. So when I moved here, uh, six months after my parents moved so they can help me to take care of my kids, that's or the beauty of our culture you know I was we about to always say, I'm like that is to each other. so Mexican yes it's and just so like, appropriate to like every one of our parents yep they're just like oh you're gonna do this I'm in how can I help you the aunts show up the uncle deals everybody's like how can we contribute well the funny thing is that it's true you know my parents moved here and after six months and they help me so I have two or three jobs so I can start saving money so I become a partner at Rioja that was the first place with Jen and Beth and that was like a dream, you know, like I, I used to work at Cheesecake Factory, I opened Tamayo, I worked at Panzano, like I have three jobs, like come on, you gotta get and do something. Take the advantage that your parents are gonna help you. No one will ever take care of your kids like your, you know, like, like grandparents. Your parents. So yep. yeah, the funny thing is like now my daughter says like, mom, can you take care of my grandkids? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> That's going to change right now. <laughs> I, I still do it, but it's different. Uh, you have some other things going yeah, on. Yeah, like, just I some have a party to, to go this with. weekend. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm one that makes me wonder, what is it about the American way of life that you've absorbed? That's part of it. Like My yep. mother definitely was... Um, Sorry, mom, but she was at the parties, and uh, you know, when we were home, she was not taking care of us most of the time. Uh, so, what did you learn from Jennifer and Beth? Because they adore you, and like, oh my God, we've known her forever, and we love her so much. But what did you learn about the either American work ethic or American business or things that were a complement to your own heritage and your own clear sense of drive? Yeah. So. When we start working together, you know, they, I always say they're my mentors. Like, they, Beth showed me, like, all front of the house, kind of financials, how to talk to people. Jen is all the cooking, um, how to become a leader. You know, it's not just to own a business, it's how to run the business, how to be an example, how to provide different things for your employees. Uh, but I think besides the business, you know, we both learn to each other how to become a friends and separate the business part from friendship and help to each other and that's when we always create this word that we say la raza you know like we're like it doesn't matter what we need in this industry we're there for each other it doesn't matter if you need money if you need a house if you need come and babysit for me or whatever that's what we learn together you know it's more about you choose your family in this industry and this is probably the best thing that I learned that the industry is your new family and you have to do everything for them. And I gather that your team has stayed with you. You've created a really intense family at your restaurant and, and, and restaurants plural, right? Because yep. they've come with you and they've followed you and followed you. Um, to what do you attribute that? You know, working in so many restaurants, like I tell you, I used to have three, four jobs, and I always learn how big corporations run their business, how, you know, small restaurants like Yen and Bed, like owners treat their people. So I always, my head, like, how can I combine everything and get better? One of the most important things to me, obviously, everybody works for money, period. You have to pay bills and everything, but the... 
you make them part of your family and your everyday, and you have to provide insurance, um, healthcare. We talk a lot about why people in the industry drink a lot, why people suicide on the industry. Like all of those things are my talks every day with my employees. We sit before we open the restaurant, what do we want to talk about it? Anyone need help with anything? Financial. My, uh, some of my employees, his father just passed away. Well, everybody, let's do something and help them because she's in Mexico. Or whatever, you know, like something happening here. One of my sous chefs, they, they have a, an accident and they lose one of the babies. And we were like, get together and I call Jen, Beth, Alex, Idel, Justin, like all the chefs say, can we do something? Let's help people. That's the thing that I think my employees can, I'm the mom for everybody. I mean, as much as I try not to, I'm the mama bear. So whatever they need, I think they can feel that they can stay with me because they will always have some, someone to back them up. And it doesn't matter what situation they are. Do you feel like there's any downside to being the mama bear? Sometimes it is because of stress. Like, I go home and I'm like, oh, my God, these people need this. This people is going through this. And, but I'm learning how to kind of separate things a little bit. But that's the only, the only bad thing. You know, like, you carry too much in your shoulders, but it's part of your nature. Yeah. When you have kids, that's what you do, and it, it's what it is. You, le you learn how to live with that every day. I also think we're like problem solvers, right? So you see yeah. an issue and you're like, I'll deal with that. Yep. I'll figure it out. Oh, it's not be happening fast enough. Let me just get in there and I'll, I'll resolve it. Yep. And next thing you know, you're resolving like 16 problems. Yeah. So you do have to balance, right? Yeah. I, I've had to learn to balance like helping everybody and then also teaching them. Like teach exactly. them how to fish, right? Yep. Or else yeah. you're just fishing for everybody. Exactly. And that's an important thing. I think you, you know, when you were asking a question earlier, Dana, of like what's the difference between the American culture and the Mexican culture? One of the things that I've learned from living in the United States and having a very English father and grandfather is that they really try to find ways to be more effective with their time, mm -hmm. and they're a lot more efficient just in general. Um, I just think of super funny analogies. Like in Mexico, you go to deposit a check, and you have to walk into the bank, and there's a line of 40 people yep. on your lunch break to deposit a freaking check. Yep. In the United States, never in a million years would Citibank be allowed to do that because people would go on strike, right? And right. so you go in and you deposit in the ATM or now you swipe it. But that's one of the things in Mexico, sometimes I feel like we just keep doing what we've always done and don't evolve it. And in the U.S., there's this constant drive to evolve and shift and grow. So yeah. when, you, when you combine that with like the Mexican work ethic and then the American efficiency, you kind of have the perfect storm of like a great leader or employee or person. Yeah, I agree. When we talk about your rise from dishwasher to owner and su success, it sounds pretty seamless, particularly with your drive, and which we've been talking about. You know, you just see a problem and you tackle it. But have there been things along the way that have been, you know, harder to handle? I mean, right now, yes. The, the first thing that I have, it was my language barrier. You know, you always like... Um, I mean, I don't know if you know the story about my nickname. It's Loca. simple as Loca because I used to have this manager that even if I try hard every day, working in an open kitchen, try to run the show, he's like, speak English. I don't understand what you say. Like for months and months and months, and I cry and I get pissed off and I get sad. 
and one day I started using the F word and I said, you know what, you're going to understand this, so <laughs> here we go. Fuck off was the fuck word, off, yeah. Fuck off, exactly, and I say, well, fuck you, get the fuck out of my kitchen, <laughs> and he goes like, oh, you're loco, and I say, by the way, it's fucking loca, and that's how the whole thing started, but that was my, like, my biggest fear, you know, like, when you don't, you're, you have all those people like, well, you're trying, but they are not supporting you. Other people is helping you and say, hey, say it this way. They correct you. They, they help you a lot. So it was the, big, the biggest thing. Also, when we start cooking, you know, when I was with Jen, it wasn't a lot of female people in the kitchen. It was more males. For me, the second thing that I deal with, it was most of the people in the kitchen, they are Latino guys. Now, for a Latino guy to, to bring a girl to be your boss... Not bad, news. Yeah, yeah. bad news. Bad news. <laughs> yeah. They are machismo very machismo. Is real. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is real. We struggle with that until these days. More in Mexico now. Here, I think, is it's getting very equal. Yeah. And I can tell you that from when I was a dishwasher and then prep and I opened all these restaurants with different people. Some of my line cooks right now and sous chefs and chefs, we work together at the time. And at that time, they're not the same people that they are right now. Now they're mm. like, we're happy to work with you. I never say you work for me. We work together and you work with me. And I think that make them feel like we're equal. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're a girl or not, or you're the sous chef, the dishwasher, the line cook, or the head chef. None of that matters. We build something together and we work hard because if that place grow up, you have your own place, you have your own place, everybody has their own thing. And I think that's one of the things why all those guys, I mean, 15 years working together, it's, it's a long time. They can choose to be anywhere else and they're waiting for me to open the next one so they can expand with me. It's, it's like the most That's beautiful. beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. And what about your, your kids? So they're 23, 24, 25. Yeah. Um, what are they doing? Nothing with the kitchen. <laughs> Not at all. They don't even do dishes. Uh, no, my daughter, the, old, the oldest one, she's a doctor. The middle one, she's a full-time mom. She, I have a granddaughter, five years old, and she's pregnant with a boy now. Uh, and the youngest one, she's the one that is a little bit more close to me. She's going for nursing school, and also she's a butcher. Wow. So that's the interesting thing. Like I say, okay, you see the human parts and you see the animal parts, good for you. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, because I've been a butcher forever, so she kind of like that, but she doesn't like to do the cooking. It's more like to learn everything about body yeah. yeah as long as she doesn't confuse the skills <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um and let's talk about your food a little bit which um ellen i don't think have you had a chance to I go to open class or check it out super mega bien. bien yes how'd that get the name super mega bien well First, working class, we opened five years ago. The name came because before I opened that place, I was a Rioja, and then I was a chef at Bistro Vendome. And when we making the menu, I love one thing that I used to make here. I used to make um, pate, country pate. And I'm like, damn it, I cannot have this pate on my menu. And then my business partner, Tony, who is another guy who started with me on Panzano, and he was a busser. So I was a dishwasher, he was a busboy, and we always dreamed to have a restaurant. Now that we start putting the menu together to open our first baby, he is like, nope, that's not for working class people, Dana. That's not, that's too fancy. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's country pate. And he's like, nope, not for that. And then we're like, that's the name for the restaurant. But 
people always hear that as working class and it's towards work and class because we want it to be a little bit more like we're cooking, we're teaching, we're providing so many things for the people. That's working class name. One of my employees at working class, every single day I go to the kitchen and I say, hey, how are you guys doing? I call them my babies or my perritos, my little chihuahuas. Um, <laughs> so I get there and I say, hey, how's everybody doing? He always responds with super mega bien, super mega ultra bien, super mega ultra fucking. I'm like, wait, 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 that's way too much. Like, <laughs> why do you say that? And I wanted to know why he always say those words. And he said, because I'm very happy in this place and I'm better than better when I come to work here. Oh, wow. And I say, that's wow. the name for the next restaurant, Super Mega Bien, because you, that means something special for the guys. Like, they're really happy there. That's and so that's, cool. That's, and he's working at Super Mega Bien now, the guy who <laughs> come with the name. So, yeah, that's how we choose our crazy weird names. I, I'd say it, now you have the name of your next restaurant, though. It's... Super mega mega bien. <laughs> <laughs> the next one's gonna be Doña Loca because it's my my new brand for mezcal and tequila. Oh, I didn't know. You. So tell us about that. Wait, we haven't talked about the food. So um, let's talk about like what yeah, you're cooking. I know. Right. Food. We're getting I want, to the food. I want to hear before about the we food, get drunk. Right? <laughs> before exactly before we start doing shots Ask together. All the questions about food. Yeah. Well, uh, working class is is my baby. It's like. South Mexican food and a little bit of American Southern food. The reason why I choose that concept is because I wanted to put some of my, what I grew up with, like my birria, my pozole, um, cochinita pibil, all of that stuff. But at the same time, I say, well, I don't want to be a Mexican restaurant that people just think it's just tacos and chimichangas or something like that. So I choose some of the American food that people is very familiar with. So it's comfort food from Mexico and from here. Um, and people love it because it's like, you see the menu last night, it's by a quarter pound of lamb or goat or quarter chicken, and then you choose your side and you choose your breads. Right. To me, it's very important to do, you know, a affordable meal with a quality product that everybody's always wanted to go back. And I think working class uh, make that really really good for people in, in Denver. They will, were known by that. You know, you pay for what you can eat only. You don't order a compost plate that maybe you like half and the other mm -hmm. half you don't like it. You just order your lamb because you love lamb. You order mashed potatoes or you order a biscuit and that's what you want to eat. That's all you pay for. Yeah. Yeah, we had, um, those biscuits were fantastic and then the fried catfish yep. and um, a double beet salad and a great tomato salad. So we had like a mix of really heavy-duty comfort food at 104 degrees outside, I might add. <laughs> so we're, like, just eating all this delicious, you know, crunchy, savory food and thinking, if it can taste good at 104 degrees, imagine <laughs> yep. if it, we're sitting on the, on the patio. And so are any of those things that you, like, you were saying that it's yours and you grew up eating them, like, what did you do to either translate the recipes or to make to stick with exactly the way they were or evolve them a little? Um, well, you know, like catfish, very traditional here. Um, I should just basically the spice and the flavor that I incorporate into that. All the Mexican food is something that I grew up with, so it's in my nature, you know, like all the pozole, all the goat, all the spices on the, on the pork, uh, on the carnitas, all of that. Um, and I try to find a balance 
for people's palate. You know, I've been working at Rioja forever and I know a lot of the customers here now. The neighborhood where I am is totally different. You can see that last night, completely different. It's like pretty, it's a happy place. You know, it's very loud. It's a lot of people. It's a very different people going there. Young people, single, a lot of couples, older people, a lot of kids. It's a little bit of everything. And I think I try to make everything very flavorful in its own that you can only have one things and be happy with. You don't need to be doing a lot of more mixes. And I think that that's what uh, people like about that place. Ellen, this you know, brings to mind for me that um, you know people know you for the for the aprons, but you've expanded so much. I'm a huge fan of your Vans collab yeah. for the sneakers. So I don't know, like, would you ever do a Mexican restaurant? And like, let's just dream for a minute, because let's <laughs> say you're really not going to do that. You know too much. Although whenever Ellen is in any city, she hops behind the line and she's cooking. But if you're like, what would be your dream? Mexican restaurant that you would do, and as you're saying, it's not entirely Mexican, but oh, I like tacos all day, all day. Yeah, just with really fantastic tortillas, you know, heritage grains, all of that stuff, and then definitely really, really good meat. I mean, very similar to you in Mexico. My family had um, carniceria, so like meat shops. Yep. So I grew up going to my uncle's, you know, butcher yep. shops, and every Sunday he would make birria and barbacoa, and I just, you just knew every Sunday, my uncle would show up with a bag of barbacoa and fresh tortillas, and that was like the quality of that food was so spectacular yeah. that you just can't even compare it to anything. I don't care which restaurants I've been to, like nothing compares to that meat back then. So if there was a way to sort of replicate even an ounce of what he did with the meat quality, and I mean, these cows were, they were the happy cows. They were going to be happy. They yeah. were happy cows and they were not from California and they were very happy. <laughs> um, I just like, I would want that and to have it be very nostalgic and something that makes you feel like you're back at my uncle's butcher shop, just having a taco, dripping oil down your sleeve, eating a bunch of pickled, you know, delicious carrots and jalapenos, and you yeah. just like, there's not a care in the world. Like I was crushing the apricots <laughs> as we were running here. We were running from the farmer's market, and I was slamming apricots <laughs> like they were going out of style. That's how I would want people to come to eat our tacos, on yep. just like paper. You know how they serve yeah. them on paper in yeah. Mexico? That would be the dream. Maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll do it. My friend Daniela Soto is opening Damian um, yep. in L.A. And she literally, last week, I was like, Danny, I want to work there one day a week. When you, when you show up, I'm going to, like, work. I'm going to come. It's going to be, like, a job. And she's like, done. And she told her whole team. And they're like, Ellen's going to work at the kitchen with us. And so I'm just, I'm going to get back in there, make some tacos. That would be great. You can make those barbacoa. Oh. The funny thing is, like, it's some of the most simple food. Yeah. You don't put, you don't add a lot of things into it. It's just made with love and it's fresh. I think that's the key. Like the way it's that fresh. we live in yeah. Mexico is like, you just go and get it over there. Like the tortillas, like, yeah. I, I have one lady at my place to make the tortillas every day, six in the morning mm. to 4 p.m. every single day. Yeah. And that, it makes the difference in a freaking taco. Well, my, my Mexican grandma, my abuelita, used to say, like, organic? That's expensive. You know, like, everything is organic. She's like, what do you even mean? Uh, yep. She's just like, you pull it out of the ground, you eat it. That's, what, yep. that's, that's, that's how that's you eat it in Mexico. Way. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No sé qué es orgánico, pero esto está bien rico. That's what she was saying. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> like that's fancy. Okay, so I want to like I want to do my first ever like bilingual attempt. I'm not going to attempt it. Spanglish. 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 But but I want Evan, will you ask her like a really awesome question in Spanish? Yeah. ¿Cuántos años llevas cocinando? 21. 21. ¿Y cuántos años llevas en Estados Unidos? 22. 22. <laughs> Increíble. ¿Y este, extrañas mucho a México o vas a, vas a visitar seguido o no? Voy cada cuatro meses. Sí, lo extraño mucho. Más que todo la familia, los amigos, ¿verdad? la comida que nunca me enfermo allá. Sí, ¿en serio? <laughs> yeah. uh, y las pachangas. Ok, Thank great. You. I didn't get any of that. But I really enjoyed it. But it was fun. Bringing, bringing Dana back into the next year. We are switching back to English. <laughs> Welcome back, Dana. Thank you. Thank you for like, joining my show. So, um, I love to ask people to teach me something, um, but it's not, it's something practical. Like some, the, someone just taught me how to clean white sneakers. Um, Ooh, tell us. <laughs> I know, right? Everybody needs to know how to clean a white sneaker. Uh, the, and it's a leather white sneaker, so it's okay, very specific. Okay, okay. Um, so it's Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean Eraser, okay. which apparently is magic on the it leather. It is literally magic on anything. And that anything. thing, if you've never bought a magic eraser guy, Oh my God, it's incredible. Yep, so, especially on leather. It's, oh, or on yeah. a white wall, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> the first time I used it, I was like, I'm ordering 50 from Amazon right now. Okay, uh, tell us. So, um, and then ivory soap for the rubber part. So, uh, that just gives you an idea. Is there anything you want to teach me? What about butcher some lamb? Sure, how do I do that? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to the restaurant. Here's a machete. Right? Here is the cleaver. Let's do it. Um, no, really, talk me through. Like, how do you butcher a lamb? Well, uh, you know, the most important thing is something that I learned from, from Yen, uh, and I learned how to do all the fish, too. So it's important to know all the muscles so you know what to do. But to me, the most important thing is to learn where everything came from and the respect that you give to the land, to the farmers, to the people growing all of those things. And then the knowledge is something that everybody can study and do it, but the respect, it's something that you have in your heart. And every time you butcher everything, you know, separate the, the legs, how, how to separate all the muscles inside, it's just seven in one of the legs, just right in one piece. So it's important to learn and know every single thing to do it right. Okay, yeah, that's But I can, I can show you that too. Like, you Thank have you. to go and do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we don't have enough time in the podcast. Ellen, what are you going to teach me? Oh, man, I was like racking my brain over here. Uh, what can I teach you? What, just anything? Anything. Okay, my favorite, make, my favorite way to make guacamole. You can tell me. Is olive oil, malden salt, lemon or lime juice, and that's it. Some avocados. Uh, the avocados, obviously, <laughs> but there's something about a lot, and I'm not talking a light load of, ol of olive oil, people. I'm talking a guzzle of olive, olive oil. oil. You dump tons of olive oil on it, tons of acid, whether it's lemon or lime, lots of malden salt. Oh my goodness, it's so delicious. It doesn't and get so greasy? No. Be okay. it, like, it absorbs it, and it just becomes this beautiful emulsification of like the most creamy, creamy guacamole yep. ever. It's really delicious and so basic. Yeah. Okay, you're completely convincing me, and I can do that. The lamb. You can totally I'm, do well, that. Let, let's let, let's make tortillas. So we make tortilla chips, and then we eat the guacamole. Exactly. <laughs> That's yes, exactly. I, you guys are not leaving my side <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the rest of this event. And um, one last. Lightning round. Uh, women who you admire, a uh, one woman you admire um, who doesn't get enough recognition. It could be a farmer, a 
up anything. Uh, well, actually, it's um, thinking about you. I, yeah, respect all what you do. We have a really good friend here in Colorado, Melissa Gallic. She make aprons too, Union Stitch. That girl wore hard. She has two babies, and she always have to work, you know, with the schedule with kids going to school and all of that. Uh, and she's growing up so much. People don't know a lot about her yet, but she's getting in pretty much all the restaurants and markets now. And it's very important when people work so hard that all of us support them so they can, you know, we all have the American dream. We do. We, the Americans have the American dream. Yeah. And uh, E.B.? Um, I, you know, I'm going to say my mother. I think my mother doesn't, doesn't get the credit she deserves sometimes from, from my sister and I. Uh, because she works incredibly hard. She's a nurse. She works 12-hour shifts. And I think she did so much to give us the life that we have today. And, yeah. and sometimes we're just so busy running around, we forget to just stop and say thank you for everything that you did always yeah. and for everything you keep doing. I mean, she'll show up and make chicken soup for me. So <laughs> I, I have to say, like, shout out to my mama. Awesome. My Mexican mamacita. Is she here? She's what about you, Dana? What about yeah, you? Yeah, there we Wait, go. Wait, let me ask you in oh. Spanish. Dana, hay una mujer que te guste mucho que sientas que necesita más crédito? You can answer in English. Because <laughs> okay, I definitely can't answer in Spanish, so we're really clear about that. Um, actually, I have an outlet for all of the people that I admire who are less recognized because I put them on the show. So you can just go Speaking back. Speaking broadly, check it out that's on Heritage Radio. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you, Ellen Bennett. Okay. Thank You're you all. You're welcome, for- Dana Cowan. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. My double Dana here, Dana Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining me, Ellen Bennett. It is delightful to be in every city in America, Mexico, and around the world with you. May our lives continue on this co-pilot adventure. Um, Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. Thanks again to our sponsors, Hearst Ranch, Big Green Egg, the Julia Child Foundation for making our coverage here possible. I'm Dana Cowan. Stay tuned for more from Slow Food Nations in Denver. Bye, everybody.